Welcome to Failed Utopia, the podcast about utopian ideas and paradise lost. We look at utopian concepts of the past, present, and future, as well as utopian communities and cults, which promise the world to eager followers, but inevitably fail when it all starts to unravel. Hey guys, I'm here with an update on the Elizabeth Holmes trial in the Theranos fraud case. The verdict is in, and I guess you could say it's a mixed bag. If you need the backstory on the entire Theranos saga from founding to fraud, be sure to check out my full explainer episode linked here on screen or in the description box or the show notes, depending on where you're watching or listening. After being indicted by federal prosecutors in 2018, Holmes pleaded not guilty to nine counts of wire fraud and two counts of conspiracy. On January 3rd, the jury returned a verdict of guilty, but only on four of those 11 counts. Holmes was found guilty of one count of conspiracy to defraud investors, as well as three counts of wire fraud connected to specific investors. She was found not guilty on three charges of defrauding patients and one charge of conspiracy to defraud patients. I found that surprising since if she was guilty of defrauding the investors, I would think it would flow pretty logically from there that the patients themselves were certainly the victims of her fraud scheme. They got false results on their medical tests. And also surprising, the jury was not able to return a verdict on three of the charges concerning defrauding investors. The government will dismiss those three charges, so they will not be retried. When the verdict was read in court, Elizabeth Holmes remained stoic. She departed the courthouse with her husband and her parents and didn't respond to questions from reporters. If you're wondering what wire fraud is, the federal government treats different types of fraud that seem the same as different crimes because they fall into different jurisdictions. Wire fraud specifically is the attempt to defraud a person or entity through the use of some kind of telecommunication system, whether that be telephone, text, email, etc. Hence the wires, which of course is a somewhat outdated term. It might seem weird that this type of fraud should be a different crime than, let's say, mail fraud. I mean, what's the difference between defrauding your investors via email as opposed to snail mail? They are very similar and are often charged together, but the government does consider them as being separate crimes because it's a jurisdictional issue. The bottom line is Elizabeth Holmes did defraud investors and she happened to use telecommunication systems to do it. Ultimately, the question for the jury came down to whether Holmes was a well-meaning entrepreneur who actually did believe everything she was saying about her company but made some mistakes, or whether she intentionally set out to defraud investors or patients. The announcement of the verdict caps a 15-week trial that began in August 2021 and over 50 hours of jury deliberations. 
The long period of deliberation had both sides worried, and of course, it got a lot of people wondering if the jury would be unable to return any verdict, which would result in a hung jury. At that point, the judge could have declared a mistrial. Fortunately, that didn't happen, but it seems that was a legitimate fear given that the jury actually wasn't able to return a verdict on three of the charges. At one point, the jury had sent the judge a note saying that they were unable to reach a verdict on those three charges. The judge sent back instructions called an Allen charge, telling the jury to continue deliberating until they reached a consensus, which they never did. In addition to difficulty in reaching consensus among themselves, the jury also had their work cut out for them just because of the sheer volume of information they needed to analyze and review. The trial had lasted over three months, and they heard testimony from over 30 witnesses, including seven days of defense testimony from Elizabeth Holmes herself. Now that the verdict is in, the next phase is sentencing, which is not scheduled until September 26th, eight months from now. She's also expected to appeal the verdict in court, and the court has asked for any post-trial motions to be filed by March 4th. So there could be a lot more to the story, depending on how that appeal goes. Apparently, the reason Holmes's sentencing hearing is set so far out is to give the prosecution time to try Sonny Balwani, Theranos' former chief operating officer and romantic partner to Elizabeth Holmes, who has accused him of abuse during their relationship. Balwani faces the exact same charges as Holmes and has also pleaded not guilty. His trial will be handled by the same judge. The trial has been postponed due to a COVID-19 surge in the San Francisco Bay Area where the trial is being held. So as of now, jury selection is scheduled to begin on March 9th. Holmes's allegations of abuse against Balwani seemed like they were shaping up to be a big part of the defense, but ultimately that didn't turn out to be the case at the trial. The defense chose not to call any expert witnesses to talk about the potential effect of the alleged abuse on Holmes's actions at Theranos. And the prosecutor told the jury that they didn't need to know whether or not the abuse happened to make a decision on these charges. Basically, the jury wasn't supposed to care whether or not Holmes had been abused by Balwani when deciding whether or not she lied to investors or patients. After being convicted, Elizabeth Holmes faces up to 20 years in prison and fines of $250,000 for each count. However, those 20 years are the maximum and would likely be served concurrently, not consecutively. But most people expect her to serve less than 10 years. Ultimately, the judge in this case has a lot of leeway to determine sentencing. If Holmes ends up showing remorse for her actions, he can consider that. And he can also take into account the fact that she's the mother of an infant. Many people believe she will receive a sentence of three years or less, given that she doesn't have a criminal history, and some of her prison time could be exchanged for probation or home confinement, potentially getting her actual time in lockup down to about two years, which is actually the typical duration of imprisonment for wire fraud convictions. And then there's the matter of her appeal of the verdict, which, if successful, could whittle that sentence down even further. 
If she serves any time, it would be in a minimum security facility. Holmes is still barred from serving as an official in a public company for the next 10 years because of a 2018 civil lawsuit settlement with the SEC. Holmes's trial was delayed by the pandemic and the birth of her son after her arrest in 2018. But once things got underway, naturally, there was a massive amount of media and public interest in the trial. While no audio or video recordings of the trial were allowed, there was still a fair amount of bonkers news coming out throughout the trial. One strange piece of news was that Holmes's father-in-law had shown up to watch jury selection using a false name and pretending to be a random concerned citizen. But then he showed up with Holmes on the first day of trial and everyone realized who he actually was. Then he was never seen at trial again. At one point, a juror was dismissed from the case for playing Sudoku during the proceedings. Another juror was dismissed when she said she was experiencing anxiety about the prospect of sending Holmes to jail, citing her Buddhist religious beliefs. Her replacement claimed to be having reservations about sending Holmes to jail because she was so young, which is fairly bizarre logic, and oddly enough, that juror actually remained on the jury. Since her initial arrest and throughout the trial, Elizabeth Holmes has remained free on a half-million-dollar bond and reportedly has been residing at a 75-acre estate in Woodside, California, with her husband and infant son. So she essentially remains a free woman from now until her sentencing hearing. Whenever we have more updates in this case, I'll record another update for you guys. And until then, subscribe on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, just to end things on a high note, I wanted to say that the medical utopia that Elizabeth Holmes imagined might actually be possible in the future. The fraud and implosion at Theranos doesn't represent the entire field of people working on advancing blood testing technology, a future where devastating diseases can be eliminated with the help of simple, cheap, and widely available blood tests for hundreds of conditions could still be in the cards, and legitimate advances in the blood testing field are being made. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow and leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to help other people find it. Tell your friends about it, and if you want to support the pod directly and help keep new episodes coming, you can donate to the show through the link at the bottom of the show notes. Connect and stay in the loop on the website failedutopia.com or the Facebook page at Failed Utopia Pod. Failed Utopia episodes are written and produced by me, Anna Roberts. The Burning Palm Tree painting featured on the cover is by artist Perry Vasquez. My intro music is by Elliot Middleton. See you next time.